0: Good morning. John chapter 6, verse 64 to 71. Yet there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to live too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the word of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelfth? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who thought one of the twelve was later to betray him.
1: Amen. Thank you, Ernie. There's a lot of things that I don't understand, you know, I mean, about the Lord and about his ways. Uh, The Bible says sometimes his ways are past finding out. Um, heard about a little boy asking God some questions, and little boy said, uh, God, what's a million dollars like to you? And God said, a penny. little boy said, uh, God, what's a, a million years like to you? And God said, a second. And the little boy thought for a moment, and he said, God, give me a penny. And God said, in a second. Heard another one about a little boy who was sitting in a watermelon patch, underneath this huge mighty oak tree and he was looking at everything and he was thinking man god just does not know what he's doing you know he's got these big old watermelons on this skinny little vine and they got these little tiny acorns on this huge mighty oak tree god sure doesn't know what he's doing then an acorn fell on his head and he said boy i'm glad that wasn't a watermelon There's some things that are hard to understand. Why would God choose a devil? That's what John chapter 6, verse 70 says. Have I not chosen you, the 12? One of you is a devil. Why would he choose Judas? The one who would betray him. Let's think about betrayal for a minute before we get into this, but... You know, a pastor receives an unsigned letter. My husband just told me he had an affair two years ago, she wrote. I feel so alone. An elderly woman tells of a drug addicted son who steals money from her to sustain his out of control habit. A dad moves his family to take that promised job that never materialized. A single mother whose ex husband brings his new girlfriend to her house when he comes to get the kids for the weekend a 7-year-old finds out she has contracted aids from her parents what was once a sweet loving family now turns sour as brothers and sisters plan and connive and scheme over their dead father's estate do you ever feel betrayed Jesus did. He was betrayed by a friend with a kiss. Why did it have to be a kiss, Judas? You could have pointed. You could have just called out his name. But you put your lips to his cheek and you kissed him. You know, a snake kills with its mouth. Betray. This word is an eighth of an inch above betrothed in the dictionary, but a world from betroth in life. It's a weapon found only in the hands of one you love. Your enemy has no such tool. Only a friend can betray. Betrayal is mutiny. It's a violation of trust. It's an inside job. It's a, a promise made kind of with your fingers crossed behind your back. Betrayal is more than rejection. Rejection opens a wound. Betrayal pours in the salt. It's more than loneliness. Loneliness leaves you in the cold. Betrayal just shuts the door. It's more than mockery. Mockery plunges in the knife and betrayal twists it. Betrayal is more than an insult. An insult attacks your pride. Betrayal breaks your heart. The nail of betrayal is sharp. And it was driven right through the heart of Jesus. And in our text, we read in John chapter 6, Jesus said, There are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. Jesus said, Have I not chosen you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? And as Paul Harvey, you know, he's deceased now, the radio guy, Paul Harvey used to say, Now that's a strange why would Jesus choose a devil? Why would he choose a snake? May I suggest six pretty good reasons. You can probably add to the list. Pretty good reason number one: that prophecy might be fulfilled. That's a good one. I want you to look at John chapter 13. John 13:18 13, for a minute. Jesus is speaking. He said, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those who I've chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Jesus, after washing the disciples' feet, said, I know who I have chosen. Who was it that ate bread with Jesus? It was Judas with him at the table, and Jesus said, hey, nothing's gotten out of hand here. Nothing has taken me by surprise. I know exactly what I'm doing. The scripture that Jesus is referring to Is from Psalm chapter 41, verse 9. Judas sat at the table with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. They were companions. They were friends. They had times of fellowship together, many meals together. And yet, Judas, he lifted up his heel against Jesus. Only a friend and betray. Jesus said, I chose Judas, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Not one jot, not one tittle shall fail until all be fulfilled. Scripture cannot be broken. The second pretty good reason that Jesus chose Judas was, I think, to demonstrate his deity. You see, the fact that Jesus knew all things speaks of the fact that he was the son of God. Just look at the next verse in John 13. John 13, verse 19 the next verse Jesus is still speaking I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen you will believe that I am he now who is the he referring to the messiah that was prophesied in the psalm this is a messianic psalm psalm verse uh, chapter 41 and Jesus is saying I'm telling you before it happens so that when it does happen you're going to know that I am the one of whom the prophecy speaks Jesus said I tell you before it even comes to pass that you might believe that I am he. Did you know that there are more than 333 precise prophecies dealing with the person of Christ? It's absolutely impossible that these scriptures could have been fulfilled by chance in any other person. There are more than 30 exact descriptions of crucifixion in Psalm 22 alone, written hundreds of years before crucifixion was even a known form of execution the ancient Jews used to execute by stoning. And yet we read in Psalm 22, they pierced my hands and my feet. We read the very words that Jesus would say from the cross. We read the words of his enemies as they taunted him. We read in Psalm 22 how they cast lots for his garments, for his vesture. What I'm trying to say is this, that all these scriptures piled on top of one another prove beyond a shadow of a doubt the deity of Christ. John thirteen nineteen. I tell you before it even comes to pass that you might believe that I am he. So why did Jesus choose Judas that prophecy might be fulfilled? To demonstrate his deity. And thirdly, the third pretty good reason that Jesus chose Judas is so that he would be an encouragement to us. I mean, that's a possible reason. I mean, how could Judas ever encourage me? Jesus knew that down through the corridors of time, through the centuries of Christendom, that there would be others just like Judas. Judas was a first class, a number one hypocrite, which means a play actor. He was a pretender. And Jesus knew through the centuries that there would be many, many hypocrites. But you see, Jesus allowed a hypocrite to be in the inner 12 that he might show to us, in spite of all that a hypocrite can do, that his church cannot and will not fail. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. A Jimmy Baker can't stop the church. A Jimmy Swagger can't stop the church. Elmer Gantry can't stop the church. Jim Jones will not stop the church and cannot destroy the church of Jesus Christ. You can fill your own name in there that you think is a hypocrite. Aren't you glad that the other 11 didn't quit? Aren't you glad that Simon Peter didn't say, well, if that's the way a Christian acts, I'm never going to go back to that church again. No, he didn't say that. He was the mighty, flaming apostle of Pentecost. What I want to say to you is this. Don't you let... The nail of betrayal. Don't you let a Judas, don't you let a hypocrite keep you from getting the best out of life. Because there are many phony baloney Christians running around. But don't you know that every counterfeit Christian only proves the validity and the worthwhileness of a real Christian? People don't counterfeit gum wrappers, they counterfeit $20 bills. <laughs> Every counterfeit Christian only proves the validity and the worthwhileness of a real Christian, and Jesus allowed Judas to be a hypocrite in the ministry so that it could be actually an encouragement to us, and there were 11 more disciples who went on and who served the Lord, and because of them, you and I are enjoying the faith that we have today. Hypocrites cannot stop the work of God. Jesus said, I'll build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Reason number four, pretty good reason number four that Jesus chose Judas was to show what I think the inadequacy of the social gospel, the inadequacy of the social gospel. When was it that Jesus said, I have not chosen you 12, or I, have I not chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? Well, it's right there in John chapter 6 that that Ernie just read. What's the context? It was right after Jesus had fed the 5,000 that Hermie preached about a few weeks ago. He had performed one of his his most notable miracles. I mean, you think after that Jesus fed all those people, they would have been following him in the right way. But look at John 6, 47 to 51. It says, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. And then verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then verse 53, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat my flesh or eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life In you. Remember, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. Now, what was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying that physical bread was not enough. It's not enough to feed a person's body. A person needs to feed on Jesus. We need the bread of life. Folks need more than soap, they need more than soup, they need salvation. That's what the cross is all about. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. Many folks say, well, with all the hunger and the poverty in the world, can't you do something more practical for the world than preach this resurrected Jesus? Now, there are folks today who say that it's the church's job to house those who are not housed, to educate those who are not educated, to feed the hungry, and to train people for jobs and all these things, and if that's all that we do, we have failed, and we have failed terribly. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. But they went away. They left like rats leaving a sinking ship. Jesus had to turn to his disciples and say, hey, are you guys gonna go away too? Everybody says, change the environment. And you'll change the person. Give people a better chance. Give them a better environment. That's what people need. A person doesn't need primarily a better environment. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. We don't need just bread. We need Christ. Judas and many others were there at the feeding of the 5,000. And it was there that Jesus said, what you need is spirit. What you guys need is life. Life. And it was then that Jesus gave the warning about Judas. I mean, there have been few men in history that have had a better environment than Judas. Judas lived three years, didn't he, in the personal company of Jesus Christ, and yet Judas died and he went to hell. If environment is the answer, what happened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? You won't find a better environment than the Garden of Eden, it wasn't in the slums of Chicago. That Adam and Eve fell. It was in the Garden of Eden. Now, before I get any nasty letters, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be interested in feeding the hungry. Because we should. And if we're Christians, we will. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be interested in housing the homeless. Because we should. And if we're Christians, we will. What I'm saying is this, there is no substitute for the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Billy Graham, perfect example, preaching the gospel of Jesus all over the world. People coming to Christ through the preaching of the simple message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he died for our sins according to our scriptures. And he was buried and on the third day he rose from the dead according to the scriptures. Then he got Franklin Graham. Samaritan's Purse, you know, taking care of the needs of disaster-related victims and the shoeboxes and a perfect balance between that preaching of the gospel of Jesus and taking care of some of the needs in our world. Why did Jesus choose Judas? I'm sure to know the inadequacy of the social gospel. He fed 5,000 people. Judas was there. And then Judas turned around and he betrayed him. And he died and he went to hell. What difference does it make if folks live in nice homes and eat vitamin-enriched food if they die and they go to hell? What a terrible thing to die without Christ. What a terrible thing to live without Christ. A fifth uh, pretty good reason That Jesus chose Judas was, I believe, to give a solemn warning to church members. Remember, Judas was one of the trusted 12. Remember, he held the purse. He could say he was a church member. Uh, He was the treasurer. See, Judas was there in the flesh with Jesus. Outwardly, he was a very good man. Uh, He ran around with the right crowd. He spent three years with the 12 under the ministry of the Son of God. Judas had a good reputation. He was chosen to take care of the money. And when Jesus said, hey, one of you guys is gonna betray me, nobody said, hey, I bet it's Judas. Not one of them said that. They said, I wonder if it's me. Who is it, Lord? Is it me? Who's gonna betray you, Lord? Lord? Not one of them pointed a finger at Judas. He was the last person they thought would betray the savior. Judas was a religious worker. He went out to preach the gospel with the 70. He was with them when all those miracles took place. He saw it all. He was he had the outward appearance of a saint, but an inward heart and soul of a devil. Judas was a church member, But Judas was lost. He was whitewashed, or he was whitewashed rather than washed white. And when Judas walked out into the night, even the disciples didn't put it all together. Remember, they thought he might be going out to give something to the poor. Could there be people in our churches like Judas? Headed for hell, surrounded with baptismal certificates and Sunday school pins and names on the membership roll. Suppose we were to ask Judas a question. Judas, are you saved? Well, I'm a church member. No, I didn't ask you that, Judas. I know it's an archaic term, but are you saved? Well, I'm a charter member. I didn't ask you that, Judas. Are you saved? I'm a preacher. I didn't ask you that, Judas. Are you saved? Have you been born again? I go to this church every Sunday. I'm a Sunday school teacher. I've worked in the church. I've been baptized. I know the plan of salvation. Well, you're not saved by the plan of salvation. You're saved by the man of salvation, and his name is Jesus. Judas knew the plan of salvation, but he never really trusted in the man of salvation. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Are you born again? Are you saved? How do you know? Because somebody told you? Because you walked up and shook some preacher's hand? Is that the way you know you're saved? If that's all, I feel sorry for you. Friends, when you trust Christ, you have the word of God. And you have the witness of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus allowed Judas in the ministry to give us church members a solemn warning. Here was a man that was up to his ears in religiosity who worked for Christ. And yet he was lost. Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Jesus, he was the door, door to heaven. And Judas kissed the door to heaven, and he went to hell. Have you come that close? Are you almost a Christian or almost persuaded like King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26? Well, the last reason, the last pretty good reason that... Jesus chose Judas, I think, was to show the damning power of sin. Now, I don't really believe that when Judas began to follow Jesus that he had in his mind to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that he would, but Judas didn't know that he would. Judas, I think, was very sincere to begin with, but he never really repented of his sin. And I think that seed of sin... Uh, grew, and it blossomed, and he was even amazed at what he did. It says, the Bible says that he was filled with remorse. Judas had the heart of a devil, and it came out. Now, I think sometimes our culture, you know, in our environment, and our training kind of holds us in, but you will never know the sin that lurks within your heart. The Bible says of you that your heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. I think we're all capable of anything. In other words, there's no sin that you are not capable of committing unless you have Jesus Christ to keep you from it. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how proper you think you are. Look what sin did to Judas. First of all, it deceived him. It didn't work out like he thought it would. I mean, he had that itch, you know, for silver. And he betrayed and sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It didn't work out like he thought. Sin had deceived him. And then sin destroyed him. Listen to how Matthew describes it. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and he hanged himself. Luke is even more graphic in Acts chapter 1. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. You know, sin is not a pretty sight. Sin deceived him. Sin destroyed him. And then finally, sin damned him. Matthew 26, 24. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Some say Judas had salvation and lost it. He never had it. He never believed. Jesus Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not. Others would have us believe that Judas just made a mistake and then he went to heaven. He did not. He departed and he went to his own place better he had never been born acts chapter 1 verse 25. Judas never lost his salvation he never had it sin deceived sin destroyed and then sin damned him and God allowed the record to be written right there in the word of God that it might be a warning for us this nail of betrayal is sharp but oh what a price to pay So why did Jesus choose Judas? Certainly that prophecy might be fulfilled clearly to demonstrate his deity, possibly to encourage us, also to show us the inadequacy of the social gospel and also to give a solemn warning to church members. And last but not least, to show us the deceiving and the destroying and the damning power of sin. Those are a few pretty good reasons why Jesus chose Judas but have you ever thought why did he choose me I mean wasn't it my sin too that nailed Jesus to the cross I mean the Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray not just Judas Don't we all drive that nail of betrayal into the quivering flesh of the Son of God? I mean, didn't everybody leave Jesus? I mean, look at the people around the cross. The crowd did. They suffered from mob blindness. They blocked each other's vision of Jesus. The disciples did. The Bible says all Jesus' followers left him, and they ran away. Their so-called courage was as fleeting as their feet. And when they saw Jesus going down, then they got out. The religious leaders did, not surprising, disappointing though. They tried to find something false against Jesus that so they could kill him, and Peter did. Remember, he had promised you know, passionately and fervently only hours before everybody else may stumble in their faith because of you, but I will not. I hope Peter was hungry because he had to eat those words. Everyone turned against Jesus. Though the kiss was planted by Judas, the betrayal was committed by all, the world had turned against him. He was betrayed. The prophecy from Isaiah 53, he was smitten. He was afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. The only difference between Judas and the other 11 was this. The 11 came back. And maybe you need to come back today. Maybe you need to come back to the God of your childhood. Maybe you've lost that close relationship with the Lord. And you just need to come back. Maybe that's why you're here today. To come back to Jesus and to pledge your allegiance to him. Let's pray together. Father, how many of us betray you with a kiss? Claiming to love you one minute, the next minute our actions reveal who we are. Help us to love you more than this world. Help us to believe what you tell us in your word, that friendship with the world is hatred toward God. And help us to be like the 11, when the smoke is cleared, the dust settled, they came back to you and were filled with the Holy Spirit Jesus, their eyes were opened, you opened their eyes, and they repented, they received forgiveness that you so freely give, and then you use them to turn this world upside down. God make us like them. And I pray today, Lord, even as we receive uh, your tithe and our offering and, and just express our love to you in this way that as we sing the words uh, to this last hymn uh, that they would be true to us, but drops of tears can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. It is all that I can do. Lord, may, might that be true for each one of us? Bring us back home to you so that you can use us for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.